this morning at Deere and Bandy, we started working through uh, John chapter 1. Uh, that'll be up on the internet soon, so I'd encourage you to have a, have a listen to that, uh, where we spoke about God's um, eternal nature in Jesus Christ, who came to earth in the form of a baby. And uh, that in some way, as Mary looked into the face of her newborn baby, she was looking into the face of the one who created her. She was looking into the face of her king. And she was also looking into the face of the one who would soon be her saviour. She was looking at someone who had been alive for all eternity even though he was just a baby at that time. And the miracle of that, we we talked about that somewhat this morning, and I'm still in John chapter 1, but I'm just going to read just two verses for a start, and then we'll we'll hopefully know where we're going. The Word became flesh. The Word refers to Jesus. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. We have seen his glory the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And in verse 18, no one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. Okay, I'm going to start there. But in Christmas, I want you to see this. We see God's plan for all of time. Jesus was chosen before the beginning of the world to be the saviour of the world. Um, Even before the fall happened, it was in God's plan and at just the right time, Jesus was born and he came, uh, as that song we sung, the dawn of redeeming grace. If you read uh, uh, Isaiah chapter 8 and 9, you see that concept of as uh, after a long night of pain and darkness and suffering under sin... There's the first light and then there's the sunrise. And that sunrise is the birth of Jesus. And then comes the full light of day, which is the full light of salvation and God's plan for all of time. If that makes sense, that's that's kind of the imagery that Isaiah uses. But this verse 18 says this, No one has ever seen God. Put up your hand if you've seen God. you, You couldn't look on God in all his holiness and live. But God, the one and only, Jesus that is, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. Okay, this is what also we spoke at length about this morning, is that if you want to know what God is like, you look to Jesus. Because through Jesus we see all of the nature and the character of of God, even as he walked around with his disciples, as he taught them, as he just lived his daily life, he was showing the character of God, the Father. Everything about Jesus is the same as God. He has made him known. He has uh, the there's a Greek word there which students of Greek love. It's called the word exegeted. Yeah, ever heard of? It? People say, when they go through the Bible and they exegete it, they pull out the different parts. of. You might go through a verse and say, this word, like I'm doing now actually, 
this word means that, and this word means that, and this word means that, right? And that's called exegesis, right? We do it every week. But the Greek says this, but Jesus, the one, God, the one and only who's at the Father's side, has exegeted the Father. He has showed you every part of the Father's nature. He has gone through word by word. He's gone through action by action. How did he do that? By being God right before them. He was the living God right before their eyes. Okay. That makes some sense to you. Okay. So Jesus could say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. God has been made known through Jesus. Now, the nature of God has been made known through Jesus, and and we look at that in two ways. Number one, the grace of God has been made known, which is part of his eternal nature. You know, we can say God is love. We do say that. The Bible says that. God is also grace. That's his very character. Okay? And um, one part of the exegesis that Jesus has done of us, uh, of the Father, sorry, to us, is that he has revealed to us the grace of God. Ephesians 2 says this, And God raised us... Oh, sorry. When we were dead in our sins, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So we were dead in our sins. We had no hope. And God had sent Jesus to die for our sins, to lift us out of that, and to take us to this place where... We are seated in the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus. We're glorified almost as people. He, I'll read that again. In order that, sorry, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Okay. Why did God do what he's done? Why, why did God, you know, I said before, Jesus was chosen to save the world before the beginning of time. So before God created, he had this plan. And we all ask that question, don't we? Why is that? And one part of that and we, uh, is this, that he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed to us in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. The only way that we could ever understand grace, which is the nature and the heart of who God is, is through God's story of, of us being lost in sin, being saved by Jesus, being redeemed out of that. Out of, when we deserved nothing, he did that all for us as, as an act of his grace. So Jesus exegetes the nature of God. He shows it to us. He explains it to us through his very life, through his death on the cross, as he bears in our place the wrath of God that we deserve. And then as he's raised from the dead and uh, we head towards the end time, we, we know the grace of God. Does that make sense? A little bit. Okay, it's deep. You might have to think on that. Also, at the cross, we see the holiness of God. We see grace and we see holiness. God in all his perfection. Because, you see, um, if God was not a holy God, he wouldn't have to send his son to die for us, would he? 
he would just simply have said, no, nah, they're about your sins. That's all cool. I'll let you off the hook. You don't have to worry. But in his holiness, he says, no, judgment for sins must occur. So uh, in Christ, then, we see, again, Jesus exegeting, sorry to use that word, but showing, making known the Father's plan, but also the Father's nature. His holiness, his grace, his love. We see all of that through Jesus alone. So something amazing happens at Christmas when Jesus is born. Because you see, this is the beginning of God's display of his eternal character coming to us through Jesus. And we can know him through that. I'll talk some more about that. Going back to our original reading in John 1. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. So we have seen the glory of God in Christ Jesus at his birth when he became flesh. Now when it says the word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us, it's another Greek word there uh, that made his dwelling amongst us. Is a Greek word. It basically says the word became flesh and tabernacled amongst us. Tabernacle. Uh, he made his tabernacle in the midst of us. That's interesting because if you know anything of the Old Testament, you would know what the tabernacle was. Do you know what it was? In the, in the desert, God firstly carried the people, he redeemed them out of uh, Egypt and he took them to Mount Sinai and then Moses went up the hill and, there's, uh, and he came down and, and there God spoke his law in such a way that every person heard God's voice in their ear. They heard the Ten Commandments spoken to them. You can read about that in Deuteronomy 6. And, and the people were terrified. Just imagine there's thunder, there's lightning, there's, there's rumbling, you know, and God tells you his law and I'm just going to pull out one, you shall not lie. And you hear that in your ear. Right, and you all know you've told lies, that would be terrifying, wouldn't it? And so you, you would wonder, how is this all going to work when God is so holy and he can't stand sin and he's just told us his laws and no way have we kept up with any of them. And then God gave a gift to the people. It was a tabernacle. It was a, a tent with various... Tent sides. Yep. And in the middle was the Ark of the Covenant. Right? And on the Ark of the Covenant was two gold angels. And in between the gold angels was called the Mercy Seat. Right? Because that was the place, kind of the place where sacrifice was atoned for, or where our sins were atoned for through sacrifice. Now, what the people would do is that they would come to this tabernacle and they would kill some sort of animal and that blood of the animal would atone for their sins. They would have their sins forgiven so that they could meet with God. 
You can't meet with the Holy God. You've heard his law. We're all in trouble. But you can meet with God because he gave the gift of animals that are sacrificed in the people's place. And then, having your sins forgiven, you can meet with the Holy God. Now, in Exodus 40, when uh, they finished building the tabernacle, it says this. In Exodus 40, verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled upon him and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. God's very presence was right there in this tent. In all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. So that glory cloud remained there day and night the whole time they lived in the desert. When it lifted up, they would set out But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out. They stayed right where they were until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day. So it was like a cloud at daytime. And fire was in the cloud by night in the sight of all of the house of Israel during all their travels. For 40 years, wherever they went, if you step outside your tent at night, There in the centre of the camp, because that's where the tabernacle was, with a million people gathered around it, you could see a pillar of fire right above the temple of the Lord. That's awesome, isn't it? And in the daytime, the glory cloud sat there. You knew God was at the centre of your camp every day. You knew he was right there with you. Okay. The word became flesh. Jesus became flesh and tabernacled amongst us. Right in the midst of humanity, God came. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only. That's what um, John says. Now, John, he was, a, uh, he was very lucky to be one of the three disciples who actually went up the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus. And remember there... Suddenly the veil was pulled back as such and and Jesus was shown in all his glory. John saw that. He saw him in all his glory. Jesus, not just the man, but Jesus, eternal God, shining with all his glory. Jesus became flesh and lives at the centre of humanity. Can you see that? We've seen this other strange uh, word in one of our Christmas carols, which says, uh, of, of Jesus, it says, Lo, he abhorred not the virgin's womb. Do you, know, you ever sung that? Oh, come, let us adore him. It's in that song, in that, in that carol. Oh, lo, he, and what it, if you put that in basic English, it says, Jesus didn't hate the virgin's womb. Whoa. What are we thinking about stuff like that for? What it means is this. Jesus became flesh with us. He didn't despise humanity. He didn't despise flesh. But he became one with us. Right at the centre of our camp. Right in the midst of us. If you, you might think, oh, my, you know, how we feel when we sin. We feel dirty in our body and we think our body is all rubbish. No, no, no. God created your body. It is good. 
How do you know that flesh is not evil? I'm not talking about, when the Bible talks about flesh, when it's talking about sinful nature, not that. But our actual flesh, how do you know that it's not evil? Because Jesus didn't despise the virgin's womb. He became a human being. And when he was born as a baby, he was a baby that he could go up and poke, but you don't do that because the mum gets mad. Right. But you, you, he was flesh. He was a normal child. The word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. And then, I'm going to read another part of the Christmas story. And this is from Matthew chapter 1. Matthew is, uh, Matthew chapter 1, Matthew tells the story of the birth of Christ from Joseph's perspective. Luke tells the birth of Christ from Mary's perspective. So you kind of get a different view of the different sides. So we're doing the Joseph bit today. Next week we'll do Mary's story. They, they, they line up. It's okay. You don't have to worry. It's not a he shed, she shed, she said thing. Matthew 1 verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Joseph didn't know that. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. He knew the child wasn't his, so he knew, but he didn't want her to be stoned to death, so he quietly made plans to put her aside. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's what we call the virgin birth. And uh, as I said this morning, the virgin birth is crucial to Christian theology. You can't do without the virgin birth, because you see, God is the father, she was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and Mary is the mother. So what you have in Jesus is fully God and fully man. Yep. Fully God, fully man. That's, that's Jesus. Where are we up to? She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. The name Jesus means one who saves because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus is the saviour and immediately we're told this is what he will save you from, your sins, as he becomes the tabernacle who lives in the centre of their lives. So he becomes God's very presence, his glorious presence in the centre of humanity. Also, he becomes the one who provides the sacrifice for sins as, as the ritual was at the tabernacle. You get what I'm saying? All this took place to fulfil what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God is with us. Where is he? With us at the centre of our camp through Jesus. Do you get what I'm saying? This, you see, this should give us incredible peace because the holy God doesn't despise us. He's become one with us. He's joined himself to humanity, right? 
And he's dealt with our sins, which means we can actually come into the holy presence of God through Jesus Christ. We can know him and, and we can be known by him and, and we won't die because of our sin. Because the tabernacle, Jesus has been made known to us fully. God has been made... Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. This is... Christmas is a wonderful time. It's another one of those times where sometimes the events that we live out kind of transcend what's going on. It's a bit like you go to a wedding and, and people who don't cry see the bride coming in and they hear the vows and they cry. They happen sometimes, doesn't it? Because you see, there's this event going on where, which God speaks into and he's speaking, yeah, there's a marriage and my eternal plans are about a marriage. Do you understand? Of Christ and the church. And so there's a, a deeper meaning that God bears witness to in that event. And I think uh, there's this strange passage, and I could be stepping out on, on a limb here, but there's a strange passage which says that um, women will be saved through childbirth. Oh, okay. So that's good for those women who've had children. The rest of you might be in trouble. No, no I, I think what it's saying is another one of those events where is the birth of a baby. When a baby is born, it's this wonderful time and it transcends because I think that every birth of every child makes us look to the birth of Jesus where salvation come into the world. Salvation came into the world through the birth of Jesus and Mary. And, and, and there's this, it's this wonderful event which takes your breath away. It's wonderful. You get what I'm saying? And every time we gather for Christmas, you know those nights? where you just have this feeling of wonder and awe and, and it's just like, it's just Christmas. Is it really about the presents? Mm, partly, I don't know. Is it really about the gathering? There's just something wonderful about it where God speaks uh, his, his revelation into that. And what's he telling us? He's saying this, I'm with you. Lo, I'm with you to the end of the age, Jesus said. I have taken away your sins. I've tabernacled amongst you and I love you. And through Jesus, you can know me. You can know the truth of who God is. I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you for your love and grace and your holiness. We thank you that you have shown us all this through Jesus, your son. We thank you that through him, We can know the truth of who you are and we thank you that by your Holy Spirit you are with us forever. We thank you that you have made us holy, that we need not fear you anymore because of Jesus your Son. And we pray that as we, over the next week, get ready for Christmas, that you would bless our hearts with an anticipation and that you would lead us up to a time where we could again experience the peace and joy that comes from knowing that this baby born 
this Jesus is the salvation of the world and that he is truly God with us. That we might meet with you again in intimacy and also in fear of your great and holy presence. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.